Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today's guest is Karen Arrett, and I'm excited to get to know more about Karen, just like you will. We'll learn more about Karen at the same time. So Karen, I'm super excited to learn about what makes you tick. Who are you? So tell us more. Tell us about yourself. Hi, Susan. First off, thank you for having me. Um, I came across your your podcast just kind of on accident. I was researching something about women in leadership. Your podcast came about. I um, saw on the internet. I read about you. I listened to you, and I read your um, your bio. And I wanted to meet you and um, be a part of this incredible mission that you've provided for women. So first off, I want to say thank you. Um, I also read the Brene Brown quote. Um, (laughs) I I want to read it here. When we have the courage to walk into our own story and own it, we get to write the ending. And I I really want to thank you for that. Um, I feel like right now I'm, I'm going through that in my life, owning my own story and um, beginning to write the ending. And and you're part of that journey, Susan. So thank you. Um, Wow. So Karen, no one has ever done that. No one has ever (laughs) said thank you or opened with that. Or uh, I'm like blushing and I don't blush easily. (laughs) That is so sweet. See, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is what it's about. I mean, lifting each other and recognizing each other, amplifying voices and shining a light on each other. This is beautiful. Thank you so much. And I do love Brene Brown. Um, and I live that quote, seriously. Oh, yeah. And uh, listeners out there, if you have not heard of Brene Brown, she's very inspiring. So um, listen to her on Audible or, or um, read her books. Um, but back to your, your question, um, I'll, I, I suppose, um, Susan, what do you, um, anything specific well, you know, when I ask, that's a, I'll be honest, folks, studies show that's one of the toughest questions in any kind of interview is when someone says, tell me about yourself, um, because it's so wide open and you don't know yet the audience's uh, flavor for what you're going to say. So you don't know if you need to like, you know, be totally transparent about your whole life or, or if this is, you know, they can't handle that. You know, I am a very open, honest and direct person. And I've learned in my 54 years to just be me. I talk about my background, my education, my uh, experiences that I've been through that have made me who I am. And if it's too much for the receiver um, of the message to handle, that's okay. I am who I am. And they're just not my posse or tribe, but usually people appreciate vulnerability, authenticity, honesty. So why don't we make it easy on you and just start with education to occupation and maybe any kind of community involvement, what you do for work. That sounds great. Thank you for that. Um, just allowing us to, as women to be open. You're right. We, we need more of that. Um, my name is Karen Arrett. Um, really my passion since I was a little girl was to help people, uh, specifically to help people who I saw that were experiencing pain. Um, I always felt like I could provide some sort of light and kindness to their lives. And from, you know, just being a little girl, I would go with my mom. I remember going with my mom to the public library and she would let me purchase at this bookstore 
any book I wanted, they're about, I think a nickel per book. And she said, you can get anything you want. And I just, I went on overdrive and we packed up her entire trunk and there were all psychology books, you know, books about communicating and um, how to be in a relationship and how to um, talk to your friends and how to um, resolve conflict and just about human nature. And I couldn't get enough. I awesome. Really, yeah, you sound wow. like my kind of woman. That's exactly uh -huh. my passion. And when I, when I gravitate toward um, certain aisles at Barnes and Noble, or uh, it's always that self-help psychology section. Yes, exactly. And, and so uh, naturally, Susan, I, I continued that path and I went on um, with many challenges, um, you know, in my life, just from my childhood, um, I, you know, didn't believe that I, I could um, continue and, and receive the education I did, but I went to um, ASU and I went and got my bachelor's in psychology. And after that, I moved to California and went to get my master's at Antioch, um, wonderful school. Um, and I received that in clinical psychology with an emphasis on marriage and family therapy and a specialization in mindfulness theory. So um, with that, um, thought 100%, I'm going to be a therapist, uh, began practicing there. And um, my my husband and I, um, he, you know, he went to law school and then that led him to go into conflict resolution um, and want to go that down that route. And we decided together to create um, the Art Center for Divorce Mediation, where we get to help spouses every day go through their divorce in the healthiest way possible um, with as little conflict as we can um, and stay completely out of court in order to help them move forward and specifically to help their families and provide their children um, a, a better life in the future um, with, that, with lowering conflict. And so I'm using my psychology degree every single day um, in everything we do to create the most peaceful environment um, that we can during the challenging times of our clients. I have life. to say that is so remarkable. Well, first of all, wow, it's wonderful that you and your husband do such great work. And the fact that you can do it together is amazing. But number two, divorce for me, everybody who knows me knows that this is not my first rodeo. So um, I had a divorce, but I am of that mindset. And I studied a lot of Buddhism and I'm very mindful. I believe in meditation and be, living in gratitude, right? So when you're in that place of, of going through this painful process, if you can just recenter yourself at the end of each day, or maybe at the beginning of the day to say, it's possible to separate with love and just know that our calling is a different calling than just being married. Maybe it's to co-parent, or maybe it's to, um, you know, appreciate what we had, but have no more or recognize 
that it never was what we thought it was, right? For me, I grieved for a while, but it was I was grieving something that never really existed. <laughs> when I woke up to the reality that, wait a minute, that wasn't what we had. I was like, it's probably better that we're not together. And, you know, let's just be grateful for the good that we can take away and learn lessons from the bad. Um, so, yeah, I love what you're doing. This is really great. Where are you located? I'm located in Scottsdale, Arizona. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It's hot. I don't mind it. It feels like a warm, nice hug to me. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, I, I love what you said about kind of um, changing your perspective, Susan, what you said about the fact that you realize that it's actually not good for you and, and you're better off not being together. I think that it that shows that you're you began to live in the present moment right right i love that you um talked about mindfulness theory i want to hear more about that let's unpack that a little bit because my background is communication theory and people don't understand why would you ever study communication theory because they think when they they see that i have a master's in communications it's pr and crisis comes but it's theory and the power of theory is understanding why, you know, the motivators. So let's talk a little bit about what is mindfulness theory? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. Um, mindfulness is really being aware, being aware of each moment of what you're experiencing, you know, inside of yourself, what you're experiencing around you your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your environment, and experiencing it in a way where you're watching it. You're aware. And the key word here is non-judgmentally. Ah, it's I love that. Taking almost a step back, almost like you're watching yourself from up above. You know how you watch cars on the road. And if you were to go up above helicopter view, watching the cars on the road, then you would, it's watching the cars, the red car, the big truck, the, the, you know, the police car, the school bus, it's watching them all go by and noticing that they're going by, but not attaching to it. That is and very Buddhist in its, uh, as well. It's the law of no attachment. You don't attach you don't become attached to the outcome, right? You, you are living in that present moment, aware of that present moment, being curious about and interested in that present moment. Yes, um, exactly what you said, curious, being curious. That's the key word too, Susan, is taking a curious approach, you know, as women and I, I reading about you, I see what you do for women and it's incredible. Um, and we know as women that we are so hard on ourselves. We have this narrative, we have this tape that we're not good enough, that you know that um, we're undeserving. And mindfulness is incredibly healing because we can take a step back and we can watch those thoughts come in and we can choose with mindfulness not to attach to them and more like say, hi, I thought, oh, high negative feeling, you know, high anger, high fear. Oh, it's nice to see you again. And just, you know, what are you trying to teach me? Be curious, as you said, and let it go. Yeah, it's acknowledging it. I went through a really tough um, event 
probably the toughest event in my life this past year. And every day I had to remind myself, not what did this person do to me, but what did this situation do for me? Wow. How did you get to that point? Um, if it had not been the years of meditation and maybe the study of various religions and philosophies, uh, I'm not a religious person at all. And that's why the study of religions and philosophies was so helpful to me. And I think it's from those commitments year after year to, to self-discovery, self-awareness, being mindful, um, recognizing what's in my control and what's not in my control helped me. But I will tell you, it wasn't perfect every day. There were days where I didn't even want to get out of bed. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And, um, you know, so, but then I thought if I can gain a grain of benefit from this experience, then I can't associate it as good or bad. I'm not going to judge it as good or bad. It just is what it is. And I'll choose to win or learn and not lose. So you're, yeah, you, you decided it sounded like to make a choice. Yes, it was a choice. I could either let the situation control me and my emotions and my logic, or I could control my emotions and my logic and redefine or reframe the narrative around the situation. Right. That's what mindfulness does. It, it allows you to take a step back, like you said, and, and evaluate what's happening. And then, you know, what you're doing, what you're doing, Susan, I'm, I'm also doing when I take a step back and I ask myself the first question, is there anything about this situation that I can change? And if there is, you know, is it me? Is it my perspective? You know, what can I change? And then I, I choose to do my best to make that change. And the second question I ask is, you know, if I cannot make that change, um, well, what am I going to do about it then? I, and I choose to let it go. And that's the hardest part for people, I think, in every situation, realizing you are not in control of this and you need to let this go. You need to learn from this and move forward with what you've learned, not stay stuck in the burn. Right, exactly. And um, I really like what you said about you said you're not religious, but you learned a lot from you know reading about religions. And I, I think it's a misconception about mindfulness that it's um, you need to- right be religious. And it's, it's more, you know, I think kind of spirituality, it's, you find it in different ways and different places, and it doesn't have to be based upon a certain religion. Um, there are people who are um, very religious and maybe not spiritual. And there are people who do not belong to any religious tradition, but lead spiritual lives. So I think that it's good. To I am, I am group B. Um, yes. I would say that a lot of people get bitten by the dogma, right? So they, they get lost in the dogma of a certain church and lose sight of spirituality or connection or, you know, the energy that keeps us all connected wherever we are, we're still all uh, coming from the same source. Right. So yeah. I think that people get lost and mired in the dogma the rules and regulations that were man-made of any organized religion and fail to see the true benefit of community and connection that is what church originally was. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So I, I hear you. I love to talk about spiritual maturity and I love to um, listen and learn from others what that means to them. And I often see that people confuse the two, religion and spirituality. Religiosity is not spirituality at all. In fact, it's often the opposite because they're lost in propaganda or, or false, um, less meaningful you know, efforts, way to spend their time and money and attention. Uh, spirituality, you don't need tools and props and such to be spiritually connected to yourself and that person be connected to others exactly exactly Thank well you. you're amazing i look folks y'all know that i don't always know my guests in fact most of the 370 people i've interviewed i probably have only known a third of them um and i like it like that because i get to know them on the show um, this has been quite a delightful surprise, you know, um, it, you're, I love the work that you and your husband are doing. Um, I, I believe that too many people stay together for the wrong reasons and it only hurts everyone involved, including the kids, probably, especially the kids, if they could learn to leave and separate with love, yes. you know, then yeah. that would be, we'd live in a much better world. I mean, trust me, folks, I've been divorced a couple times, um, but tried my best to do so in a way that we remained friendly, maybe not friends, but friendly. That's, that's amazing that you could do that. And um, what you said is very true about, you know, um, being, you know, trying to divorce in an amicable way. I think that um, many people think that if they could stay together, even, even with conflict in the house, fighting, that it's better for the children, Susan. And what studies show, and it blew my mind when I learned this, but what studies show is it's actually not the divorce that affects children. It's the high conflict, the high and continued conflict in the home that really affects children and developmentally and for the rest of their lives. And so it is a misconception um, and, and um, keeping a home with, less conflict is what's going to be better for the children, even if that means that mom and dad, um, you know, um, whoever um, partners are going to separate, that's, it's better to, um, to do that if, if the conflict is, is extremely high. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I would rather grow up in a household where my parents were kind and respectful of one another rather in a part rather than married and you know daily drama right exactly it breeds fear it breeds fear and a lack of trust and children begin to wonder who are who can they trust if they can't trust their parents to be uh, good to each other children start to think that they did something wrong right like this is about them so um yeah, there's a way to do it. I mean, I divorced. My my son is remarkable. My current husband adopted him when he was nine. And we have a love story like no other. All three of us. Oh. It's an amazing, amazing story. Oh, I mean, I, I would love to hear about your story. Someday, someday. Today is about you, Karen. So I love meeting you. I love hearing what you and your husband are doing. And I love the fact that you're doing it together. And I just you know, I've rarely had someone on the call. I've, I think I've only had one other person who is involved in divorce mediation. 
Um, but it's so interesting that you and your husband do this together. It's really great. Let me ask you, um, is this your proudest professional accomplishment or have you not had it yet? You know, so far it really is. And that's because of the adversity that I've experienced in my life. Um, growing up, um, you know, situations, people telling me that I couldn't do, um, that I wouldn't, you know, be successful and really not believing in myself, um, never thinking that I, I could actually, you know, become a, a business owner. Um, but that's not what the accomplishment is. It's leading. It's leading our team in a, in a loving and kind way, in a fierce way, um, in a way where we help people every single day. And I, I get to lead those efforts. Um, that's just becoming a leader in the sense of um, becoming a leader that I always wish I had in my life. Well, and you've always been that leader. You just revealed yourself to yourself and the world. I mean, you've always had that in you. I get it. The outside voices or the, the external factors that make us believe we can't do certain things or, or make us doubt ourselves. Um, those are hard voices to combat because they're real. I mean, look, mean, mean girls, right? Uh, jealous people, um, bosses, um, parents who didn't quite become what they wanted to become and now take it out on you or, you know, there are a lot of factors that can keep us down. It's hard to break through, step into your power, own your story and be you in the face of all that. So kudos to you. And, you know, I love that you're open about sharing the struggle because, when, when women get on my show and they talk about all the good things they do, that's great. And it's very motivational and it's inspirational, but if they don't share the struggle they went through to get there, it's hard to relate because most people go yeah. through yeah. tough times. It's, so. hard. it's hard to relate and it's hard to replicate. And I didn't mean to rhyme. We're not starting a song here, <laughs> but, but it's true. And, and I really wanted to get that across. And I was thinking about what I wanted to, to say, and after um, reading about all the amazing things you've done for for women and just and minorities, and I I really thought that um, women, you know, tend to believe that um, that they need to have I don't know be be born into it or it's it's luck or you know they're successful because they're just so awesome you know and it's just their personality, but it actually does not come easily. And I think it's through our struggles where if we can just change our perspective and for yep. me, really changing the perspective, first off mindfulness, not going into the past and ruminating over the past and what I did or didn't do and not worrying about the future and what's going to come, but rather focusing on the small things I can do today to move me forward and it's not gonna look pretty every day. It's not, growth is not linear. It has ups and downs and, and um, can often feel like, you know, we're hitting walls, but if we can keep moving forward every day and change our perspective. So we're viewing all of these problems in our lives as opportunities and successful women have just as many problems as, um, you know, women who are striving, you know, to be, successful. The only difference is I think is perspective and seeing problems as opportunities for growth and seeing problems as a normal part of life. Um, and knowing that 
if we just keep working every every day towards our goal that we can get there. I agree. I totally agree. And I, I think the more we permission women by leading by example to be authentic and to share vulnerability, we see it as strength. You mentioned Brene Brown earlier. Number two most TED talk, most watched TED talk in history is her uh, power of vulnerability talk. Yeah. Uh, and it's true. I see vulnerability as strength. Many don't, men especially, I teach gendered communications and you see that they don't want to share um, vulnerabilities or ask a lot of questions and be seen as unknowing, but women are more inclined to do so. And as much as that um, historically has been the butt of jokes where we ask so many questions, we recycle information. It's very meaningful because we analyze things to prevent problems, right? So men will let problems um, happen or take place and then they come in and they fix it. But women, we, we do recycle a lot. We, we imagine the worst case scenario and prevent that, right? So um, we don't get rewarded for that because the problem didn't happen, right? We didn't fix anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not recognized for our skills and abilities and innate communication skills and abilities in preventing problems. So with what you say about being vulnerable and sharing your story, it makes you more relatable to my audience. Instead of seeing this perfect person who has it all going on, they see a little bit of themselves in you and how they could get to where they want to be, right? So I, I, I sure hope so. Let's just say it how it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keeping it real, keeping it real. Well, let me ask you, did someone uh, mentor you? Did you have a mentor? You know what? I, I have to be honest. I have a um, a really beautiful, I feel very grateful. I have a beautiful love story like, like you had, Susan, with my husband. And he is... Um, He's unlike anyone I've ever I've ever known. He has the kindest, most loving heart, and he has been my rock and my mentor, and has helped um, build my confidence and self esteem, um, especially being co co founders. And there's there there's never been a day where I felt like we weren't equals, um, and he has really been a strong um, mentor to me as well, just because I watch how, um, I watch him and, and how much strength he has and his positivity, and it really helps helps guide me. Um, I love I- to hear that. I love to hear about men who mentor women, because we need more of that. And then he apparently, whether active or um, actively or, or directly trying to be an ally or not, he is an ally. So uh, by helping you, he helps all women, right? So when we help one woman, we help all women. When we hurt one woman, we hurt all women. So thank him for being Mr. Awesome. I will. When I met him, he was like Hillary for president. And I just knew, okay, <laughs> I like this guy. I do too. I like that guy already. So um, let's talk about women and lifting women and, and shining a light and amplifying voices. How, how do you think we can, I mean, it might be major, it might be minor, but how do you think we can lift each other up? Boy, we need to lift each other up. I, I grew up and I didn't get to experience that around me. And I love that that's what you, what, you know, your passion is too, Susan. I think that I really do believe it all starts with us because in order for me to help lift up another woman, I actually need to work on myself and believe right. that I'm capable and that um, you know, I'm lovable and have compassion for myself. So I feel like the work really begins with us and we can take 
this approach, it's not selfish. It's actually selfless in the end because we can help so many people. But for me, just heal, you know, having a journey and, and um, healing myself has allowed me to inspire other women and women that now work, you know, um, with me. Um, and they've told me, wow, you've, you've helped me through so much. And I could only do that with the work I was, have been doing on myself. So I think that's number one is working on ourselves in order to model for other women. And we can um, model that we're strong and competent and, and um, have just as much of a right to be here as anybody. And also I think having, you know, any kind of maybe starting a support group or just connecting with other women who are going through the same things and, and talking about um, our success and our struggles. I think connecting more instead of competing, just collaborating. I love all that you said. And in fact, before you said the selfless versus selfish, I was going to say, let's unpack that because when I say self-actualization is a very powerful tool in helping others. It does mean you have to love yourself first and get to that place where you respect yourself first. Otherwise, why would anyone else love you? You know yourself better than anyone. So I love that you said that. That is so true. You can't help others until you help yourself first. And that is selfless, not selfish. So um, powerful stuff there, powerful stuff there. The second thing you said that really resonated was... Um, collaborate, don't compete, right? So I, women, I have footprints on my shoulders, not from women stepping on me because I don't allow that, but from my putting them up on my shoulders and lifting them up, right? So it's a choice. And um, it wasn't always that way. I'll be honest. I had some mean girls in my life later in my career, shocking, you know, I was already in my fifties and I'd never experienced what I experienced. And it was now I see, um, I call it jelly beans. They were just jealous. And I, I'm even the type of person, and you strike me as this as well, someone who reaches out and says, you know, who has hurt you? How can I help you? Yeah. Um, you know, because the bully on the playground has been hurt, right? Um, but at some point, if they're not going to bite and, and focus on being mindful and self-aware and changing, you yourself have to walk away it's a protective mechanism so yeah and I, I'm kind of I'm surprised not surprised because it can happen at any stage in life but but I am um surprised that that you um continue you know continue to to have that happen and I and that you you keep going you know? oh well this was so I'm 54 now I was about 50 when all this happened um, the mean girls and they were younger and just jealous. And I had a lot of, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm an ENFJ. So I'm very out there open. I have a lot of relationships, right? People know me when they, when they, when they know me, they know me. You see what I'm saying? I'm very transparent. Um, and sometimes when you're, you're whatever it might be, whatever position you are in your job, or maybe it's age or stage in your career, you're not as self-confident. And so to make yourself feel better, you bully others yeah. and some will take it and others like myself will not take it. So, <laughs> you know, messing with the wrong person, <laughs> but yeah. um, lessons for them to learn, right? So maybe I help them. The, the lesson they're saying, the, these mean girls might be, what 
instead of what did she do to us? What did we learn from the situation with her? So hopefully there's been some lessons learned. Right. And it goes, it all goes back to what we said before about starting with yourself, because if you actually are starting with yourself and, and learning how to love yourself, then I don't think that you, you would go out and, and, and exactly it's their own fears and insecurities, but maybe they've outgrown that now. Um, but let me ask you this because we're coming to the close and I want to make sure that um, we get this really great question in. I always ask people to tell us something surprising that maybe your inner circle doesn't know. A surprising fact about yourself. A um, surprising fact about myself. Oh, goodness. Um, just a really, I think, funny fact. I love um, I love going to grocery stores and I know it seems weird, but my husband and I will travel and we will go to the first thing we do is drop our bags off and go to the nearest grocery store to see what products they have and walk around the aisles for hours. And I don't know if it's the marketing of the products or what, what it is, but I have so much fun. So um, I definitely like, you know, just the normal things like a grocery store, I like seeing it in you know every area, and I just like looking at all of them. That's funny. That's interesting. I've never had anyone say that before. So that is a surprising fact. Um, I personally am not the person who does the grocery shopping in my marriage. Um, he goes, and I went with him yesterday, and I was like, "Well, this is fun." So I'm kind of giggling at what you're saying. Well, listen, if people want to know more about you and your husband and the work that you do, or just you personally, how can they reach you, Karen? Yeah, they can always um, email me personally and I can, um, you know, help with, with anything. Um, my email address is Karen, my first name, K-A-R-E-N, at auritmediation.com, A-U-R-I-T-M-E-D-I-A. T-I-O-N, Karen at artmediation.com, um, or they can look us up on our website, www.artmediation.com, and open to answering any questions of, about um, the divorce process. But really, if anybody wants to reach out and ask me anything about um, just leadership or um, any kind of question based on our conversation today, I'm one, I, I would um, be very welcoming towards that too. Nice. You know, you and your husband should do a podcast together and talk about some of the concepts that you address. And, and if you're, if you have time for that, that would be great. I think people would love that. We would love to. Yeah. Well, Karen, you are amazing. And I'm so glad you reached out and it's my pleasure to now know you, you are a friend now. Um, and if I can ever do anything to help, let me know. So folks, thank you so much for listening in and Karen, thank you for sharing your story. Susan, thank you so much. You have um, very impacted my life already. Thank you. What a powerful thing to say. I love that. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day. Bye-bye.